You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Someone asked. Someone actually asked a question. We have a bunch of questions, actually. I think we might, the pastors are collecting questions. You can even add one. Even while I'm talking, you can put it on that a note card back there and put it in the offering box. It'll get to me. And I think we probably have like 30 or 40 questions collected. And so each week I'm, I'm picking one out and, and, and answering it the best that I can. I'm going to try to be brief so that maybe you can even add in um, afterwards what is, what is going on. Uh, I had a switch on here. That's the problem. <laughs> so this, this week, uh, the question is, what is our connection to the Anabaptist tradition? And maybe even the Mennonite tradition, which are the most famous of the Anabaptists. Anybody ever heard of Mennonites or Anabaptists around here? Um, I got some famous, some famous uh, Anabaptists to put on the screen. Uh, not yet, not yet. Those, those, are, those are the radical reformers. No, put them up there, put them up there. This is part of the story. I want to have power on this clicker, Nicole. I want to be able to click. And I can't, and I don't like that. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's no switch on this thing. Okay, turn them off then. I, I, it's not working. I'll come back to them later. Mennonites... Brethren in Christ, that's our tradition. We're part of the Brethren in Christ Church USA. Uh, others are like the Amish. Have you ever heard of the Hooterites? The Bruderhof? Those, those, are the, those ones are like the deep Anabaptists. They live in like colonies and, and, and communities separate from the world. Uh, in Mexico, where I lived for a year, Mennonite means people who live in Chihuahua, make cheese, and wear overalls. Uh, so the church that I was part of that was a, me- a Mennonite church plant from North America, now, now being led by Mexican people, they had, they had their name as Menonita Anabatista, Mennonite Anabaptist, to distinguish themselves from the ethnically Mennonite people who lived in Chihuahua and made delicious cheese. Uh, and that, 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 that goes to show you how these kind of distinctions kind of go. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's particular to the Anabaptists, and I'll get to that in some of the stories I'm going to tell. But whatever label you get can just become like a thing. Um, and we're tr- we, what I want to try to, the reason I want us to talk about it is I want it to be more than a label. I don't want it to be our brand name. I don't want it to be like our ethnic identity, which is probably impossible at this point in 2019 in Pensacan. Uh But that's kind of where these things head. You can just kind of have your own little thing and have your own ideas and make sure that they're uh, perfect enough to separate you from everything. Uh, you know, we can make distinctions until we're, we're very disconnected. Um, and even the Mennonites that live in Chihuahua, some of them are kind of disconnected from their faith too. A Mennonite is an, is an ethnic tradition and for, for some of them and not actually uh, a relationship with Jesus or a discipleship of him. But that's where it got started. Okay, now get to those reformers up there. It all starts with the Reformation in the 1500s. I'm going to do some history here. In 1440, the printing press was invented. And this is very important because ideas and the Bible 
were able to be spread much more easily. Remember that? Gutenberg invented the printing press. Everything changed. Okay? And so he didn't invent the printing press. In Europe, you mean? The printing press was invented way before that in Asia. You got it. Yeah. We're, we, are, we, are, uh, very, we are very focused on the Western tradition in this history lesson. So I'm not, I, I'm not even familiar with that, Th- Yvonne. Thank you. Although I, 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 I like no tell of it. Um, anyway, Gutenberg's Bible changed Europe. And it changed all of the, the Catholic Church because the people got the Bible into their hands and they started reading it and thinking about it and writing about it and spreading their ideas. Like these people, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and Ulrich Zwingli. He's the, I, anyone know about Zwingli? He's like the, the, the least famous of the very famous uh, reformers. Although when I asked uh, uh, Michael about Anabaptists, he's like, yeah, Zwingli, you know? Pretty cool. I, I, I like that you know about him. I don't know a ton about him, but he, he kind of led some reformation uh, in uh, Zurich in uh, Switzerland. Um, so these guys got started, and then this next guy took it to another level, and he what, put him up there, Menno Simons. Uh, all these people kind of are dropouts of the Catholic Church. They, they, they're, they're having kind of theological quibbles some of them big, some of them small, with how the church is getting, uh, getting going or how, how, what, what the state of the church is. And um, they're comparing it to the New Testament. They're like, wait a sec, I, 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 want, I want these to match up, and, and I can't figure out how to make them match up. Uh, Zwingli had serious problems with infant baptism, but he didn't have the, the guts, essentially, to get baptized as an adult because someone else had done that and was killed. This is, this is, this is what's going on in the 1500s. To, to try to line yourself up with how you're reading the Bible and try to actually organize the church around some of the new ideas that you're, that you're finding in Scripture uh, was a seditious act. It was treason to baptize. Um, and so this term... Anabaptist get started, and they're really radical people because they're willing, they're willing to risk being rebaptized. That's what the word Anabaptist means. And that's what all of the people who were hunting them called them. Go get the Anabaptists, those ones that rebaptize. Because the, it, the, the, the act of baptism was the, the, the way that the state controlled a human life from the get-go. Uh, the baptismal records were the citizenship records. And they, they meant that you were part of the, the political entity and thus eligible for taxes, etc. The baptismal rolls were the census. You know, the, there was this total mashup of church and state. And, and so when the Anabaptists look at the New Testament and they say, hey, I think that in the New Testament, everyone that gets baptized has a profession of faith about their their belief in Jesus and their dependence upon Jesus and their discipleship of Jesus, and then they get baptized. It's an expression of a, fa- of, of a, of a fully formed faith. And uh, that kind of puts a wrench in the whole system, and everything, everything gets, gets going um, uh, pretty poorly. Let's see. This is the... These are the, the Anabaptists that we're connected to uh, most directly, the Brethren in Christ. 
This is their, their logo. Uh, the Brethren in Christ got started in the 1770s. When some, so remember what I said, people getting chased all over Europe, you know, that for rebaptizing. That kind of gets going. It keeps going for, for a couple hundred years, and people are, are literally being pushed all over. The Hooterites that I mentioned earlier, they migrated all over Eastern Europe, ended up in Ukraine, where they still weren't really safe, and then they emigrated um, to, like, North Dakota in the 1880s, and Alberta. You know, they, they, they found places to be safe. And, 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 and so in the 1770s, people um, from... Uh, like Germany uh, sent some sent some of their friends over to the Lancaster County area, and they 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 kind of established a farming community. German speaking had a lot of influences from this Anabaptist tradition because the people that were leaving Europe left for religious freedom. That's part of the story, right? Of Pennsylvania, the the religious experiment. It was a safe place to to practice whatever religion you wanted to. Uh, I think mostly Christian religions, uh, to be fair. Uh, so they get going in, in the 1770s because there's this great spiritual awakening that happens across the whole colonies. Um, just people are having experiences with God. There's big revivals and there's preachers. And uh, it, that sweeps through Lancaster County where these Mennonite types have been hanging out. And they organize into what is called the, the River Brethren. Um, and their leader was Jacob Engel and his brother John. And in 1776, they organized. Eventually, they became the Brethren in Christ because they, they, they kind of were just kind of naturally figuring stuff out, trying to get the right um, uh, interpretation of Scripture, trying to have a, a life together. And it was in the... Um, at the time of the Civil War that they officially became the Brethren in Christ, one group of these people that were, were really kind of connected, they needed a name because they didn't want to go to war and they had to register uh, as non, uh, non-participants in the military and so, okay, we'll be the Brethren in Christ because we're specific from these other folks who are also River Brethren, you know? Um, that, that's a little convoluted, but I don't have time to go into all of it. Let's look at this logo. Oh. No, go back to the logo. I don't know why I don't have the power. Um, so they've got the Holy Spirit back there and a dove. They've got a cross for Jesus in the middle, and they've got a basin with a towel. Does that look like a basin with a towel to you? Does that immediately communicate towel with basin? Well, that's what it is. Um, and it, it symbolizes um, a lot of what kind of makes Anabaptist tink and uh, Anabaptist tick and also specifically the Brethren in Christ. So that, that wave of enthusiasm and spiritual um, awakening that happened in the 1770s, that's the Holy Spirit dove in the back. Uh, the cross of Jesus uh, and, and his discipleship of Jesus is very central to all of Anabaptism. And one specific marker of many Anabaptist groups, the Brethren in Christ in particular, is the, that we actually do what Jesus says, even when he says, Wash each other's feet. It's this rat. It's it's probably the most radical thing he says to do, and so we actually do it. We actually have an opportunity to wash each other's feet, and it's one of the the markers of our, our community that that makes us unique. Um, let's find the the weirdest 
hardest thing that Jesus said to do and actually do it. So that's why the basin gets in there too. Uh, radical discipleship. Okay, now we can go to the Cooper River, uh, Nicole, because I want to get into what, what the, these reformers were doing. So the radical reformers kind of got the Bible and they said, we, we want to get it right. Um, and, we, and, and they looked at what John and John Calvin and Zwingli and, and Luther were doing. They're like, yeah, that's good, but we want to take it further. We actually want to, we actually want to baptize each other. We actually want to you know, wash each other's feet. All of that stuff that Jesus said, we actually want to do it. So um, they, they, they did uh, lots of difficult things in Europe. Um, we baptized people in the Cooper River. That just happened last month. Um, there we all are. Uh, we baptize people in a, a triune way in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like in the water. One time, uh, a person who got baptized in, oh, probably it was like uh, at the October baptism, her name was Lena. She said, I, I've been working with Jesus for a while, and I couldn't get, like, it was just kind of stuck in my head, you know, just... I was, I was I going around in circles trying to follow Jesus, trying to say yes to Jesus, um, but it was all just so abstract. But I just got baptized, and it's like 40 degrees outside, and there's nothing abstract about that. <laughs> so um, I, I, I love that kind of uh, just really going for it, living into uh, what Jesus told us to do. Uh, can you imagine, though, the, peop- the original people that got baptized uh, in Europe? Can you imagine that situation? We live in the United States where, like, we can just do this with the sailboats at the Cooper River. But these people were doing this, this like, seditious thing and getting chased around Europe for it. One of the most famous stories of getting chased around is Dirk Willems, who uh, was uh, in a, a converted uh, castle as a prison and he was able to escape. And he was running away, and the person who was pursuing him uh, fell into some thin ice that he had run across and was gonna drown. So Dirk Willems returns, saves the man's life, gets ar- arrested, and killed. Uh, that's, the, that's the kind of um, radical discipleship that the, the radical re- reformers are, 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 are in for. Um, they really, really, really want to follow Jesus. Not just what Jesus did on the cross, not just salvation from my sin and resurrection from the dead or going to heaven when I die. They think that Jesus actually gives them something to do now that makes the world a more beautiful place and makes us more like him. So the, the teachings of the, the Anabaptists have always been Christocentric, focused on Christ both his death and resurrection and his teaching. Let's not do backflips to get out of that hard stuff. Let's not have a philosophical, theological system that takes everything into account so that we don't have to do the hard things. Um, and the, the, the reformers, uh, the radical reformers wrote down a lot of stuff, but when we get to the brethren in Christ, they're not too um, big on writing stuff down. They don't, they don't want to have like this whole theological system because they kind of see how that works. When you start uh, codifying everything and turning it into like a list of tr- uh, or a treatise, 
it, it, it becomes dead, and it's just really easy to twist. You know, it's really easy to make it into something that it, that it, that it ought not be. Um, so you can, you know, do the math with the Bible, figure out how the calculus can get balanced, and, you know, make it so that, no, we don't have to love our enemies. Uh, we, we also need to protect uh, the innocent. And so, and, you know, King David killed a lot of people for, for God. So why can't we? It, it, it so easily gets twisted. But they, they, they read the Bible from Jesus outward, and they read it particularly from the Sermon on the Mount outward. The, the, you know, Jesus' main, main sermon, his main kind of collection of teaching is all kinds of stuff that's really hard to do. It's really demanding. Discipleship uh, is uh, serious business. And the, the radical reformers and, and our ancestors in the faith said, yeah, we want to do that serious business. We want to try it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We think we can uh, do it. So uh, quoting this guy that I wanted to get on the screen, Werner Eller, uh, on many theological issues, it is simply impossible to speak of a brethren position. The question rather has been, what is the quality of your commitment and discipleship? It's, it's a communal thing. It's not like, what do you think about God? It's what are you doing about what God has done? What are you, what are you doing with what Jesus has told you to do? Um, I'm kind of bouncing all around here because I want to talk about feet, foot washing again and again in Mexico because it was one of my, my biggest experiences with the greater Anabaptist tradition. I was part of a Mennonite church there. And when uh, one of the most common times that we wash people's feet is during Holy Week when Jesus did it. Uh, on, uh, during the, the Last Supper in John, uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And so we, we were doing a foot washing ceremony and Victor Pedrosa, the, the father of the family that I was a part of, uh, he wanted to wash my feet in this kind of symbolic gesture of uh, repentance. Because it, at I was there in 2004, I guess, 2003. No, this was, this was uh, Easter 2004. And uh, he said that when in, in two, in on September 11, 2001, his initial reaction was, "Those Americans got what they deserved." You know, he had this kind of, this kind of visceral reaction. Wow, how did it not take this long? If you're gonna dis- if you're gonna destroy everyone's country, eventually they're gonna get in and get you. You know, that was his that was his idea. But then, you might not. March 11th, uh, 2002, I think there was a a bombing in Madrid on the subway. Um, and similar, similar, you know, similar terrorist attack, and he was devastated. Didn't have the same impact on him, and he realized this kind of um, unholy connection that he had to Spanish speakers, um, and the, the and he and it, the the juxtaposition made him repent about his unholy kind of justification of violence against people in the United States. And so he, he told me this as he washed my feet, and he said he wanted me to go and tell all my people about it. So anytime foot washing comes up, I have to tell you Victor's story, that he repented uh, of, of, of what was going on in his heart. 
speaking of all that violence brings up a, a very, another very important part of, uh, of the Anabaptist way. It has always been about peacemaking. You know, having peace at the center of our Christian witness, I think it's essential. I, I think that we, that when, if we're going to believe that Jesus is going to resurrect us from the dead, there is no better way to live that now than to be a peacemaker and to be one who loves your enemies. Jesus has led the way into resurrection and exhausted the powers of sin and death. If that's true, the way to live it is to love our enemies. It's almost like it's a tool for believing that impossible thing. You know, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around what is beyond death, except to grapple with the reality of death in your own life and an acceptance of it, uh, even at the, in, instead of uh, taking a life to protect your own. Death has no sting, and so we can die. This is essentially what the, the Anabaptists are saying. We can, we can do those hard things that Jesus has us do, love our enemies, uh, not worry about what we will eat or what we will drink. Uh, we can actually be obedient to Jesus because the ultimate threat is powerless. Uh, sometimes people... When, when we become peacemakers uh, or when we become advocates of uh, caring for the poor the way that Jesus taught us to be, we get, we get pegged as being like, uh, th- this seems especially common these days, uh, we get that, that Christian witness gets politicized. Uh, it, it, it has a, uh, a leftist tendency to care for the poor or to want peace. But, uh, but I th- uh, Johnny Rashid said this to me this week. No, we're, we're way... Uh, conservative on this we're way to the right because we're actually we are actually being very conservative about our interpretation of what Jesus says it's actually a very liberal interpretation of the New Testament to not be dedicated to peace you know and I, I think that's a bit of a head trip because it has been so long that we've been doing otherwise but actually it's a very conservative thing to do to say no Jesus actually meant that we're going to do it so don't 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 be uh, don't be pegged. You're uh, you're very conservative if you're a peace person. Uh, another an- the the last kind of uh, point that I want to bring up that is essential to Anabaptism, and it kind of goes with what Bernard Ellig oh not not that one yet Nicole, what Bernard Ellig was saying before about we don't have um, an understand like this like big creed. We have a. Uh, uh, a common understanding of our discipleship, to, to have that kind of level of mutuality, it, it, it requires uh, a lot of conversation and, and a lot of um, community ethic about, well, what are we going to do? It's not like what is right. It's not like some universal thing. It's like what is good for us in this time and place? It's a much more specific kind of uh, simple way of, of doing theology. It's like, well, what are we going to do? And so... The, the, and they're famous for a lot of very um, extreme community ethics. I was mentioning them before. The Hooterites lived in colonies uh, uh, in North and South Dakota and like Alberta. Uh, the Amish are the more famous ones. They live here. We go on, on tourist attractions to go and see the buggies in Lancaster County because, wow, what a life. I was in, I was in Lancaster County with, uh, I think it was Gwyneth's college roommate one time, and someone was bailing hay. Um, by hand, you know, being pulled by a mule or a horse. And, and, and Lindsay just said, good 
for them. <laughs> you know, there's a wholesomeness to it. It's like, wow, you know, like that. They really believe that stuff. Wow. You know, you can't, you, you can't be denied. Like, they're living this kind of crazy life uh, for Jesus. What is that all about? Uh, so they had this, you know, we, we, have a similar, we have a similar ethic about how to make those decisions. We don't come to the same conclusions. One reason we don't dress in plain dress without buttons and we use technology uh, is that we want to be a part of the world. We want to be invasive separatists. The Amish got the separate part, but how are we going to influence the world if we're out there? I mean, I think they actually do influence the world, like Lindsay riding by on the train saying, eh, you know, there was an impact there, but we'd like to have a more direct impact. So we plant ourselves in Pensacon and all over the South Jersey region so that we can actually be in people's lives with this radical um, otherness right in the middle of the megalopolis. Uh, but the, the community ethic about what are we going to do, how are we going to follow Jesus, is still at the center of how we do life together. We are really concerned. Well, what is going to work? What, 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 what are we going to believe together? What, how can we be of one mind? Is, 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 is our, I hope that you've, you've, you've intuited that, even with a little bit of experience in Circle of Hope, that that's a really important part of who we are. Uh, and it's, that's a universal thing about Anabaptism. Because if you're not organize, if you're organizing yourself around what are we going to do, uh, there's a community um, togetherness piece that is essential to that. Uh, and now this, this quote from Ephesians that, that kind of gives us the foundation of that uh, community ethic. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Yeah, let's do that. Paul said, let's do that. Let's do it. We, 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 we think it's possible. We're not going ha- to make any compromises. And, it, you know, we're defi- we are going to screw up. <laughs> we will be compromised. <laughs> but it will not be our intent to compromise some of the most radical parts of the New Testament, most of, most of which have been um, buried or co-opted in, in many other places in the church. And certainly were buried and co-opted in the 15th century uh, church, which is why there was this just explosion of reform, you know? And, and, and we are the inheritors of the, the most radical of those reformers. All right, just one more thing. This is, I, I've kind of been floating through the history and floating through some of the, the most important uh, pieces. Just to review them real quick, uh, there is believer's baptism, which kind of unhinges us from the state. And, and messes up a lot of the status quo. It, our allegiance is to Jesus first, and what does that mean? It means a lot of things. We are very focused on Jesus when we're reading the Bible and, deci- and making decisions about how we're going to live our lives, and we don't want to compromise on that. And we don't want to create a big system of theology that uh, separates us from our responsibility as a community to discern together with the Spirit what it is that we should be doing with what Jesus said. Uh, Peacemaking is central to Anabaptism, and uh, that has always been at the forefront of the movement. And then mutuality is how we decide 
on all of these things. Those are like the four kind of highlights that I found universal to Anabaptism and very important to us in Circle of Hope. This, this next thing that I want to put up here is, is a bit of, has some uh, repetition from that, but it's, it's a tool that we, we designed for the cell leaders that, that, that you might actually be able to remember because I put a fork up there. And, um, and, uh, and it, you might remember that this acronym for how it is that we are going to uh, follow Jesus, how it is we're going to decide together uh, what he meant and, and what we're meant to do. So uh, this comes from uh, a really good article, two-part article that you can find on the Way of Jesus called The Brethren Mindset by Owen Alderfer. He was the general moderator of the Brethren in Christ in the 80s when my parents became Brethren in Christ. And uh, he, he, gets it. he gets it in a way that's very compelling. Uh, and we want to keep, keep carrying that torch. So I, I just want you to see this. Um, I, won't, I won't dwell on it too long, but I want to have, maybe, maybe it's, it's, uh, it's concise enough for you to hold on to. So Christian truth, it's for doing. From the beginning, we're actually going to do what Jesus said. We're not going to back down. Uh, and we're going to watch what Jesus and Paul and all the other people say in the Bible and say, okay, how are we going to pull that off? Christian truth is open-ended. The spirit is alive. It's not... We're not, we're not creating some treatise so that we can live by it forever, like some confession from the 1500s is going to dictate what we do now. The world is changing, the spirit is alive, and we think that God is, is going to do something now. There's no creed but the Bible. We have all we need with the, with the Holy Spirit, with community, and with the Bible, and, and our, our natural uh, surroundings to, to figure it out. And life requires wisdom not an application of somebody else's rules. Uh, it's revealed in groups, uh, so that mutuality piece. Every, almost every you, unless it has quotation marks around it in a conversation, almost every you in the New Testament is y'all or yous. It's, it's a plural you. And so the, it was never meant to be understood except in a communal context. And then the last one I mentioned uh, is Christocentric. Jesus is the truth. The things he says are, ra- are more radical than we often give him credit for. Let's not domesticate the, the Son of God. Let's be upside down by that kingdom that is so upside down. And yeah, so fork for doing, open-ended, revealed in groups, Christocentric. Maybe you'll remember that and you'll bring it to your Bible reading or you'll bring it to your cell and it can be a kind of filter for how you're thinking. All right? I gave it to the cell leaders. Now I'm giving it to you. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.